Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer. Unfortunately, starting tonight, ten minutes late. Um, it shouldn't happen as it happens. I don't know what's so funny. Whatever it is, I'll laugh too. Um, the Shabbos Pashas Yisrael. Um, Welcome the Shluchos uh, of the world, as they have the Shluchos convention this weekend. Dedicating this year, Ephraim ben Hananyan to Flippa, to Shmuel Yaakov, ben Moshe, Jeanette ben Bas, Ibrahim Akoyin. We were mentioned just a few short weeks ago. Very staunch chassid, very devoted yid. From everybody we learn, from everybody we look, we watch, we understand. Unfortunately, Rebbe Ephraim could not teach us how to be as energetic as he was, to be as strong as he was, to believe in Hashem like he did. One thing Rebbe Ephraim would want for everyone to understand, for everyone to relate to, for everyone to connect to, and that would be the concept of Simchas HaChaim. Simple joy of life. Enjoying life. Enjoying being alive. Being able to say every morning with a smile. He came to Caracas, Venezuela built himself up built himself up Baruch Hashem very very well enough to be an address an address that everybody wanted to come everybody knew they can get food from my kid for 20 years doesn't know what the shit is um But more than just the donation, more than just the square meal that they could get in his house, they went away with a smile. I had the opportunity this past Shabbos to host a wonderful group from Berlin. Germany. And the Shriach who brought them, the ten people, Shriach's parents, his brothers. It was a wonderful, wonderful meal. 
The words of Torah were beautiful. If I may say so myself. The Zmiris was beautiful. Okay, the video is having a problem. We're going to have to turn it off and start it again already. My goal, my interest was that besides going away sated, full, satisfied Baruch Hashem with their meal, my interest and my goal was they go away with something spiritual. And Baruch Hashem, the Divinity were very, very potent. The lessons of the Divinity were very strong. The words that we spoke. But I felt they needed to take something with them, that they would go with them, that would walk the streets with them, that would follow them throughout. Not just a fleeting moment, not just a memory, not just a a thought. So I taught them a chesidish And I taught them this chesidish And obviously when you say taught them, it means repeating it over and over and over. It's a very beautiful, it's a very almost haunting tune. It's a very inspirational tune. <coughs> and we taught them this tone, this tune. And after the meal, they left with this tune. We stood on the steps saying good Shabbos again once again singing the tune the next day after davening it happened they were going to eat somewhere else and it happened we met on the corner of my house they all looked at me they were all very excited good Shabbos Baruch Hashem the wonderful wonderful experience they had here And there on the corner of Kingston and Union, we sang the tune. And obviously not the whole tune, one stanza of the tune, but everybody was singing the tune with a sway, singing the tune with rapture, singing the tune knowing that they connected with this tune, and this tune was their connection to their visit to New York to the Rebbe. And this, therefore, we see the different facets, the different actions that one can do.
one can speak, one can think, and one can actually do. And we will soon discuss, Mi'at Hashem, the difference between the three. Pashas Yisrael begins, <laughs> of course, we can't be without the world of WhatsApp. If we don't mention WhatsApp, Chasushon, then what, what, Rabbi, why did you teach us if you didn't say anything from WhatsApp this week? And this week's WhatsApp, President Trump says, This is my favorite parsha. The Goy, father-in-law, tells his Jewish son-in-law what to do. Yisrael tells Moshe, gives Moshe instructions. Yisrael comes and sees that there was a myriad of questions, tens and thousands of questions. Everybody had their question. And who could you ask? Who could you confer with with their question? Except for Moshe Rabbeinu. So people were lining up in the morning, early morning, until late at night, and they were standing and waiting for Moshe to ask Moshe their question. Yisrael says, excuse me, Moshe, this is not going to work. Where do you come off to make all the Yidin wait so long? You know what, Moshe? Let's be honest. Like anything else. There's different levels of questions. There are simpler questions. There are lighter questions. Then there's the severe questions. Oh, man. And set yourself up. Different stages of Rabbanim. For the people that have not such heavy questions, then for the heavier questions. Until Moshe says, The hard and heavy duty ones you come to me. Hashem didn't appreciate that line, by the way. Hashem tells me to you or to me. You're going to actually answer it, or will it come from me the answer? And we find, therefore, that there are different questions that come up to Meisha, whether it was B'nai Slavchad, Kreshusheitzim, asked by the Yidin to Meisha Rabbeinu, and Meisha Rabbeinu did not know what to answer, and had to turn to Hashem. There were two famous questions, actually. Pesach Sheni, when the Jews that were impure on Passover and could not bring the carbon, they were impure because they were doing mitzvahs, dealing with a dead body, whatever it was. And they complained, Lamani Gada, why are we any worse than anyone else? Why could we not complete this mitzvah? 
And Moshe did not have a response for them, and Moshe went and asked God. The reason is because, one of the reasons that he forgot was because of this Pasuk. Another question was also the Bnei Tzlavchad, the daughters of Tzlavchad. Tzlavchad only had daughters, and they said, why should our father's portion in Israel not be given over to his family? And they asked that they be given because a, an inheritance only goes to the sons. Especially when they were dividing the land. To which Moshe again turns to God and gets the answer. So Moshe was taught a lesson of, although he was so humble, to be taught even more humble. We spoke once about an interesting happening in the Pasha. The Pasha starts off and tells us Vayishma Yisra Yisra heard everything that God did to the Jews and to Moshe. And then the Torah says what was Yisra's reaction when he heard what was done to Moshe? He brings Tzipira. He brings Moshe's wife. So he asked the question what happened to Moshe that all of a sudden they prompted him to bring Tzipora? Rashi tells us an interesting story. He sent her away. That when neighbors had told Moshe to go down to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, to save the Jews, he took his wife and his children and he started to go. His brother Aaron in turn, came out to greet him. And he sees his sister-in-law and nephews. And he says, excuse me, where are you going? And he says, we're going with our father, with our husband. And he says, don't we have enough problems? Do we need more people there? Go home. So Tzipora understood that there was enough Jews in servitude, didn't need to bring down more. But she also understood that her husband was leaving her and going to Egypt. So he said, Moshe says, don't worry. God Almighty promised me that I'm going to take the Jews out of Egypt. Really? She says, let me ask you a question, Baisha. If Pari strikes a deal with you and says, you sit here in prison and the Jews can leave, what would you do? God says the Jews are going to go out of Egypt because of you, but God doesn't say you're coming out also. So what would you do? I would stay in prison to let the Jews go. I'm a leader of the nation. Said Sephira, and what becomes of me? I become an Iguna? I become a woman that can't remarry? Because I'm not divorced, I'm not a widow. I don't know where my husband is. 
So Moshe looked at her and says, um, no, 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 HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised. And she says, you know what? I believe in the promise, but I also don't want to be stuck in a guna. Give me a get. Give me a get. Give me a divorce. So Moshe complied. At the time, Moshe was a Kayan. And the law is, in the Jewish law, a Kayan cannot remarry his wife. A Kayan cannot marry a divorcee. And if, even his own wife he can't take back again. It's called Magzir Gishasi. <laughs> we play the game with them. Um, what do you call a man that gets divorced? The divorcee. A woman that gets divorced? The divorcee. And what do we call um, a man whose wife dies? And they say a, widow, a, a widower. And what do we call the husband of the widow? Also, you want to say a widower? It's not. He's dead. <laughs> anyway, um, right. Anyway, by Yishma Yisra, Yisra hears that Moshe got demoted. He was made to a levi. Hakadosh Baruch says, "Aaron Achichan Nivecha, who he's going to be the kohen." Now Aaron became the kohen, and Moshe became a levi. A levy can remarry his divorced wife. Can be machzikushasi. So when he heard what was done to Moshe, excuse me, he brought back Tzipporah. To which there's still between you and the lamppost a question on this, because Moshe was a king, and a king can't marry a divorced woman either, even his own wife. So that question still. But I guess Yisra didn't hear that he became a king. Yisra was a father-in-law. He only heard the bad things. He became a lady. <laughs> he didn't want to recognize the uh, king part, you know. He says, listen, I can't uh, deal with that. Royalty is too much. The Parsha goes on to bring the Jews to Har Sinai. Vayichan Shom Yisrael Negadahor Vayichan is a Lashon Yochid, is singular. The Jews rested by the mountain. Here tells us the Torah that they were Be'ish Echad Echad. They were one. One unit. The unity at which the Jews stood by Har Sinai was unsurpassable. So, the Jews stood by Harsinai, Mitachasahor, under the mountain, and
We know the famous Medrash <coughs> that God held the mountain over their heads, Kafal in Harkegigis, and said, If you're going to listen, you're going to accept the Torah good. If not, I'm going to plant you under this mountain. And of course, all the questions that arise from this was this considered freedom of choice or not? Were we forced? Were we coerced? Etc. The Yidin accepted. The Jews accepted. They said, Nase Venishma. We will do and we will hear. And we know the Medrash tells us that Agadish Baruch who went to all different nations and offered them the Torah. And each one asked, what does it say in this Torah? And to each, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered, different mitzvahs that were not characteristic of that nation. And so, they each refused until Klal Yisrael, which said, Nasa Benishma. We'll do and we will hear. So the question, of course, not question, the greatness of the Jews was was presented here, in that they first said they would do, and then they said they would hear. They were, they're ready to do without the explanation. How? How does it even work? Why were they not thinking logically? Why were they not making a calculation? Was the nation in a suicide mode? Let us take an example. The human body. The human body needs to eat, to drink, to be sustained. What if I think about food, and I think about liquid, I think about vitamins, I think about all these wonderful, wonderful things that my body needs, but I don't ingest any of this. I just think about it. Well, I got news for you. You won't gain weight from it. You also probably won't live. So... The Jews, in turn, looked at the Teda and said, I can think about Teda. I can discuss words of Teda. But what if I don't do anything? 
Have I accomplished anything? No. I haven't. When do I accomplish? When I actually do the mitzvah. And therefore the Eden said, Nase Vinishma. We will do and we will hear. Because in order for us to be able to hear, in order for us to be able to be connected to Torah, we need to do the mitzvahs. And this is therefore the message of Nasa Vinishma. Let us focus now on the Aseris Hadibis themselves, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments themselves are mentioned twice in the Torah. Here in Parshish Yisrael, and later in Chumash Dvarim in Deuteronomy, Parshish Vezchanan. And there are several differences between them, between the mention here and the mention there. The mention of the Ten Commandments here in our parsha are mentioned and spoken and, and done and relayed on Har Sinai by Mount Sinai. Also, there is spoken by God. God spoke all these words. However, in Pasha's Vayeschanon, the Jews are now holding by entering into Eretz Yisrael, and Moshe Rabbeinu repeats the Aseres Adibris. What he had heard from God, Since Tater is very full, so therefore each and every word is accounted for. So if there's a repetition of something in the Tater, there needs to be a lesson for it. It must teach us a lesson. A fundamental lesson, because it's talking here about the Sarah Sadibis, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are such a fundamental part of our Torah, therefore, this must be a fundamental lesson to each and every one of us. The repetition of the Ten Commandments tells us that Torah can be dealt with two ways. The Tera itself, the essence, the way it is by God, His knowledge, His Chokhmah, His Ratzon, His knowledge and His wants. And this already took place before the creation of the world, 2,000 years before the world. Alpayim Shana Kadma Tera Deilam. The second way is, Tera in this world. Tera in the physical, mundane world. Tera 
enveloped in physical, mundane, daily life. So, in this world is this data that the human mind can actually grasp, understand what we're talking about. The words that were spoken from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is now a parasha, of course, this shows the etzim of Terah. The actual essence of Terah. The chachma, the rotzen, the yearning, the idea of God. The second time, which was mentioned through Moshe Rabbeinu, that gives us, that brings it into the physical realm of the world, within Torah Mitzvahs, that a person's seichel can understand it. The seichel of the mind, the mind frame of the person can understand these Torah. When a person, a Jew, learns Torah, He needs to take these two concepts of Torah together. On one part, on one point, one side, to remember that Torah is in essence the essence of God. And therefore it's really higher than the seichel of the person. And the person needs to feel total nullification for the Torah. Keep his score at home, the Yamara Brachis, Chav Bezim and Aleph. The Chazal tell us, Malahalam Beim of Yira, Bereses of Zia, Afkan Beim of Yira, Bereses of Zia. Just like the first time the Asadas Dibis were given, it was with fear, with sweat, with trepidation. The same too, the second time, the same thing was felt. On the other hand, the Jew needs to remember <coughs> that Tata was given to the person in this world and Dafka in this world in order to be learned, to be understood, to be grasped. It's not enough to accept the words of Tata through fear and through trepidation. We need to understand it through the seichel and the das. Until the words of Teda <coughs> become one with the person. And they become part, <coughs> part of him until it's called on his name. There are times there when, we, when I repeat now a sicha from the Rebbe. It says Teda from the Rebbe. When you repeat something from the Tera about, for example, what I spoke about before of Meshe Rabbeinu becoming a Levi and therefore his wife was brought back to him. This is from the Nachal Kedumen. It's marked as the Tera written or spoken of or mentioned by or thought of by the Nachal Kedumen. A sage. And therefore it falls under his name. 
these two powers, these two potentials come to play with learning Tera in the two different ways that Aseris Adibris has spoken. The first ones given to the Jews through fear, through through awe. And this is how their approach should be to Tera. Whereas the second ones were given through Meshur Rabbeinu. They were given with the Kayak to accept the Tera in the vessel of your mind's eye. Not only was this given in the year 2448 and 2488, but each and every generation, each and every place, each and every time, HaKadosh Baruch Himself gives the Tera from new. Like we say in the blessings of Birchus HaTera, the money Noisein HaTera, he's giving, present tense. And therefore, each and, each and every generation, the Moshe of the generation, the Nasi HaDer, again relates and gives over the words of God, the way the person has to relate and serve them. The neshama in the guf, the soul within the body, until the ultimate completion through Mashiach Tukenum, and his way will reveal Tera Chadosha Mi'iti Teitze, the new words of Tera that will come from Iti, referring of course to the time of Mashiach in Yerushalayim, Irakadish. May we merit to see and be there today. Amongst the Aseras Adibris, amongst the Ten Commandments, is the one that causes so much havoc in a person's life. Zachar Aseim HaShabbos Lekadshay. Chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Yom HaShabbos to sanctify it. And therefore the Ten Commandments are in a generalization about keeping Shabbos. As we say, Zohazim HaShabbos Akachi. How do we remember Shabbos to sanctify it? The Rambam established we need to remember the Shabbos when it enters and when it goes out. When it goes in, we remember it with Kiddush. When it goes out, we remember it with Havdalah. The Kiddush, of course, that we recite on Friday night. And the Havdalah, which we recite on Matzah Shabbat Saturday night. Which means to say,
that the way that we are commanded to remember Shabbos the way we are commanded to remember Shabbos is through the Kiddush and the Havdalah the opening and the closing of Shabbos during Kiddush during Kiddush we remember the Shabbos and we we sanctify it and through Kiddush and Havdalah and also when we go out of Shabbos question back stands to ask says the Magid Mishnah on the Rambam where does it say that Havdalah is part of this concept the Havdalah is the prayer that we say Saturday night where do we say this, where do we see this coming into the Torah's command of sanctifying Shabbos doesn't fit the scene. There are those that learn the obligation of Abdullah from the Posuk Ulahavdil Ben Kadesh Tachil Ben Akadesh Ben Achil Posuk in Vayikra to separate between the holiness and the mundane, and thereby we see the concept of Havdalah. But the Rambam doesn't bring down this pasuk at all. He says, This pasuk teaches us both Kiddush and Havdalah. So where does he learn this from? Where does the Rambam derive the concept of Havdalah in remembering of Shabbos? Perhaps you could say that Rambam's intention here is that the idea of Teda is not just to sanctify Shabbos, but to remember Shabbos every day. Every day of the week we remember the sanctity of Shabbos. Therefore it's not enough just to say in Kiddush when Shabbos comes in, but we need to say it when Havdolah, when Shabbos goes out. Lahavdol ben Kiddush lechel To separate between the Holy Shabbos and the weekday. In order to stress the unity of Shabbos, even when we go back to the mundane world of Saturday night. This, therefore, is the two parts of the commandment. Zokher, remember, Esema Shabbos, the day of Shabbos, Likadishoi, 
to sanctify it. Likadashay means when Shabbos goes in through making Kiddush. Zachar is remember Shabbos the entire week, and that's through Havdalah. And therefore, every day of the week, when we talk about, when we say the prayer <coughs> referencing that day of the week, Hayyim Yayim Rishayim Bashabbos. Hayyim Yayim Sheni Bashabbos. Not Bashavua, but Bashabbos. This is the first day to Shabbos, the second day of Shabbos, etc. Not more than one day of Shabbos, but it's the day of the week which is sanctified by Shabbos. And this explanation is brought down in different commentaries that tell us that the entire essence of the blessing of Havdalah is in order to engrave the sanctity of Shabbos in the weekday. Through continuing the sanctity, the holiness of Shabbos and engraving it in weekday. So the taken of Shabbos is to lift up the life, the physical life and to bring it into Kedusha. It doesn't quote the Havdalah in the Gemara but the concept of, of separation between Shabbos and weekday is mentioned in the Gemara. What is Shabbos? Shabbos elevates the physical, mundane life, and engraves sanctity within it. And this is done twofold. Shabbos itself, when a Jew comes in entirely, give it over, and takes away, and puts away, everything that has to do with the physical, mundane world, and only deals with Shabbos, and then during the week, where he's working, in the regular mundane world, but he engraves within them as well, Chulin Altaras HaKedash, he does the mundane things in a sanctified and holy way. So through doing this, we accomplish to sanctify Shabbos completely, and we merit the reward of a Kaddish Baruch that He gives for this. As the Rambam writes, at the end of Hilcha Shabbos, called Hashem Shabbos, Anyone who keeps Shabbos and 
has the pleasures of Shabbos the way in, within his capacity. It's already explained in Kabbalah, Schari Bailamazeh, Yesir Aschatzof and Lilamabo. Shinemaras the Sanigal Hashem Vikhtiho, Abamesai Oretz, Bachatiho Nachas Yaqiv Micha, Kifia Shem Dibur. And therefore we see the ultimate rewards of Shabbos. <laughs> we also have in the Ten Commandments Kabirisavikhivesimecha. The fellow calls his mother and says, Mama, how are you? And she says, Baruch Hashem, wonderful, my son, how are you? He says, oops, must have the wrong number. <laughs> anyway. So within the Aseris Adibris, we have the concept, the commandment of Shemitah Shabbos. Six days a week you should work, and, the seventh, and do all your work. On the seventh day is a rest, they rest for God your God. Shabbos Hashem Alekecha, these words, the Chazal tell us, it's a Gemara Yerushalmi, if you keep your score at home, Shabbos Perek Tezvav Alecha Gimel. Simuchin Ligzerosam, Shedadabar B'Shabbos Binyanim Alecha. Where do we get this from? Where, do we rely, where does this come from? That we should not talk about any mundane work things on Shabbos. Shkein Odom Nidrash Lishbeis B'Shabbos saying that a person is asked to rest on Shabbos is B'deime Lishvisosei Shal HaKadosh Baruch Hu is just like the rest that HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes. The Almighty takes. Ma HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shabbos Maimer just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't talk about anything that had to do with the creation of the world, Afat in my memory, you also do not talk about any business on Shabbos. We know that famous story. They didn't come up with a loophole for everything. So before, before talking about business, they say, Nisht in Shabbos Giret. Which means to say, not really talking about it on Shabbos, but a fellow comes to Shul Friday night, the middle of Kabbalah Shabbos, he tells his neighbor, sitting next to him, Nisht and Shabbos Gedet, I hear you have a car to sell. He says, Nisht and Shabbos Gedet, as a matter of fact, I do, it's a Porsche. Hmm, Nisht and Shabbos Gedet, what are you asking for it? He says, Nisht and Shabbos Gedet, $60,000. Oh, wow. Okay. The next morning, he comes to Shul, and he tells his friend, Nisht and Shabbos Gedet, I know you're asking sixty. Would you take 45? This is Nishan Shabbos Giret. I said I wouldn't go lower than 52. Alright. And they read the Torah, and then by Musaf he comes over to him and says, Nishan Shabbos Giret. How about 51? He says, Nishan Shabbos Giret, I'll think about it. Then they come to Shul for Mincha and Shalashudas. And he goes over to him and he says to him, Nishn Shabbos Geret, did you think about that 51? He says, honestly, Nishn Shabbos Geret, I sold it ready. Anyway. <laughs> oh, anything talking about business. 
So according to the Torah, a person is commanded to watch only Leilasis Malach B'Shabbos. It says that the words of the Torah, you do not do any work. In that case, the Chazal add, <coughs> the sages added, and they decreed, don't talk about any business either on Shabbos. Midas Achsidus went and went another step further. Don't think about anything mundane on Shabbos either. And therefore, again the same Gemara in Yerushalmi quotes and brings down, A story. Maise bechosid echot. Story of a chosid shiyotzel etil bekarmi b'shabbos. He went out for a walk in his vineyard on Shabbos. Ve'roshom and he saw parza achas, a break in the gate. Ve'choshav and he thought to himself, le'geidro b'metzoyi Shabbos. Right after Shabbos, he's going to come back and fix the gate. Omar, he said to himself, Hail the Chashavti. Because B'Shabbos, since I thought about this on Shabbos, the Gedra to fix it, Eina Gedra Elomis, I will never fix it. I'm never going to do it. Because this thought came into my mind on Shabbos, I made this plan, I thought about a plan on Shabbos, Chas V'Chalida, I'm not going to do it. Therefore, it never happened, it never comes into fruition, and therefore this Chosid felt that he exonerated himself and he actually in essence did. So the difference between Maise, Dibur and Machshava on Shabbos we need to understand. And this is what we spoke about before when it came to Nase Venishma. What's doing, what's thinking. What does one think and what does one do? What does one say and how does each one affect? We know that we rest from work on Shabbos. Why? Because HaKadosh Baruch rested on the seventh day of His work. HaKadosh Baruch rested from three things. Maisa, Asiya, Dibur, Umar Doing things, work, speaking things, and thinking about things. How do we know that there's a difference in prohibition Doing is according to the Teda. Talking about is from the sages. And Machshava is Apichasidis. Where do we and how do we take this? This we understand from the separate, the difference between Machshava and Dibur by Akadish Barakhu and the Machshava and Dibur by a person. When it's still by Akadish Barakhu, his words and his machshavas create worlds. God's words and God's thoughts create worlds. The speaking itself is the gashmi and the machshava. Is the gashmi and the machshava is the elam ruchnim. God's talking makes the physical, and God's thinking makes the spiritual. Whereas what, by a person, he does something physically, it happens. Talking and thinking 
doesn't cause any difference in the world. Doesn't have any effect on the world. Person thinking, a person talking, doesn't affect in essence the world. Unfortunately, when it comes to, for example, Wusunzi, how talking can affect. By the person, what is the actual difference between the Asiya, the Mahshava, and the Dibur, the doing, the thought, and the talk? The doing itself, to do something in the world, that aside from the person, a separate entity. Whereas when it comes to Mahshava and Dibur, they're only vessels of the person's essence. The thought reveals his seichel, his feelings, and the talk reveals to others. By talking, I can communicate with others. Although, my father of Hashem would say, when he would see somebody walking on the street, talking to himself, my father would say, ah, he's talking to the smartest person in the world. Himself. And you'd see sometimes people walking in the street and literally arguing. To which he would say, he'll never lose that argument. One of him will win and one of him will lose. Through this itself, we see the, sep- the difference between Machshava and Dibur. Machshava has no connection to the world. The thought process has not connect- does not connect to the world. The person himself thinks something, and that thought remains within his mind. And it can't accomplish anything either. Whereas talking... Once it left his mouth and went into the world, it could cause things. I mean, we see that a melech, a king, rules. That Dvar Melech Shalten, Kehelis, it says. The king doesn't walk around telling everybody, do this or pull the guy to do it. King says something and it's done. So, therefore, we see that words can sometimes get things done as well by a person. Whereas Makshava, thought, does nothing. From here we see the difference between the prohibition of work, doing physically, since it's totally in comparison to the work of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore it's usher from the Torah. It's prohibited according to the Torah. Dibur, the talking, which has in it, within it something that could be accomplished, Nishtan Shabbos Geret, therefore also Medivrei Sefrim, the Chachamim, our sages, prohibited it. And then thought, which doesn't have any physical connection to the world, only according to Chassidus is it a prohibition. Therefore, a Jew needs to reach to the levels 
where he attaches himself so strongly to God till he feels the resting of God also in the levels of Machshava he rests and he's careful not to God forbid do any work on Shabbos not to talk about any work on Shabbos not to think about any work on Shabbos like the Gemara tells us and therefore the Gemara makes reference to that person not as a good person, as a righteous person, but as a chosid. And this is the concept of chosidus, of chosidism. One needs to totally devote themselves, lifnim mishurus adin, above and beyond the law. And we will merit to hear again the, not the Ten Commandments, of course, because they were said twice already, but we'll hear again, Teda Chadosh from the words of Mashiach Tzidkenu, and we'll merit to be this Shabbos in Yerushalayim, Yir HaKodesh Shabbat Shalom.